The talk you are about to hear is by Zen teacher Sensei Amala Wrightson. Today is Tuesday the 7th of April 2020 and um, this talk this evening is the third in a series on um, illness and healing. Um, the second one was two weeks ago and the first one a month ago now. So um, they've all been um, happening as we move into the uh, COVID-19 pan pandemic. And uh, tonight, the one that we're going to look at, the koan that we're going to look at, is um, from the, the Shoyoroku. It's uh, number 94. Um, Dongshan is sick. Um, this is a different collection we're using uh, tonight. Shoyoroku may be a little less familiar to people. Um, it was compiled by the great uh, master Hongzhi, um, from whose from whose teachings we've we've quite often read in Sishin, and about a hundred years after the time of Hongzhi, one song um, added um, voluminous commentaries to uh, Hongzhi's case and verse. And um, this is this is the case. Dongshan is sick. Dungshan was sick. A monk asked, You are sick, teacher, but is there someone who is not sick? Dungshan said, There is. The monk asked, Does the one who is not sick look after you? Dungshan said, This old monk is looking after that one. The monk asked, How is it when you look after that one? Dongshan said, then I do not see that there is illness. So we just have this one protagonist in the story, Master Dongshan. And I'm going to turn to um, Zen's Chinese Heritage by Andy Ferguson, as we often do, for some stories about Dongshan. I'm going to spend a little longer on these than we usually do because they um, I think they help to illuminate the, the case that we're going to look at today. So Dongshan Yangjie, his dates are 807 to 869. Um, his his Japanese name is Tozan, and he he um, appears in our ancestral line, Dongshan. If Yunyan Tangsheng then Dongshan Yangjie. So he's um, he's our direct ancestor, and. Um, he is recognized as to be one of the two founders of the Cao Dong school. 
Soto school in Japanese. And um, Ferguson writes, this school along with the Linji school, Rinzai, remains today as one of the two existing Zen schools that began in China during the Tang Dynasty, the Golden Age of Zen. We're told that he came, Dongshan came from um, Huiji, and that when he read the Heart Sutra as a, as a child, um, he came on the, the words, no eye, ear, nose, tongue, body, mind, and went to his teacher and said, I have eyes, ears, a nose, and so on, so why does the sutra say that there is none? And Ferguson writes that the teacher was reportedly dumbfounded at the insight revealed by Dongshan's question and replied, I can't be your teacher, and then set off, set, sent the young prodigy off to study Zen under a master Limo um, on Mount Wushui. Wuxie. Um, actually, the, the question itself doesn't really show um, that he was some kind of prodigy, but um, what no doubt what his teacher saw in in um, the boy was his curiosity or his his um, questioning mind. He didn't just take things at face value, but was really um, making an effort to understand. We're not told what happens when he got to that um, master, Limon, um, but when he reached the age of, of uh, 21, he took full full ordination as a monk on Mount Song. And then he went off uh, travelling to different uh, monasteries to meet with um, the great masters at the time. And he first went to see uh, Master Nanchuan. His Japanese name is Nansen. Another fam famous master. And the story goes that at that time, the congregation, the community, was working to prepare a feast for the following day in honor of Nan Chuan's late master, Ma Tzu, Baso, who we were um, hearing from in the first teaching we did in this series, which was on Baso's sun-faced Buddha, moon-faced Buddha. So, Matsu or Baso was um, Nanshuan's, Nansen's teacher. Nanshuan asked the congregation, tomorrow we will have Matsu's feast, but will Matsu come or not? The monks were unable to answer. Dongshan then stepped forward and said, if he has a companion, he'll come. When Nanshuan heard this, he approved and said, Though this child is young, he is a gem worthy of polishing.
Dungshan said, Master, don't crush something good into something bad. So he's quite, quite precocious. After uh, leaving Nansen's place, he went to visit another great master, Guishan or Isan in Japanese. He asked, asked Isan a question. He said, I've heard that national teacher, uh, Hui Zhong, Echu, who was a, he was a disciple of the great uh, Hui Nang, the sixth ancestor, um, I heard that national teacher Hui Zhong taught that inanimate beings expound the Dharma. I don't understand this clearly. So again, he's seeking, he's seeking understanding with these questions. Gui Shan said, do you remember what he said or not? Dong Shan said, I remember it. Gui Shan said, please repeat it. And then um, Dongshan does repeat this um, long exchange from memory. So this is now um, Dongshan reporting on this, this conversation. A monk asked the national teacher, what is the mind of the ancient Buddhas? The national teacher said, a wall tile. The monk said, a wall tile? Isn't a wall tile inanimate? And you can imagine in these big monasteries that there would have been um, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of wall tiles around them in their um, teaching hall. So he asked, Is the, isn't a wall tile inanimate? The national teacher said, yes. The monk asked, and can it can expound the Dharma? The national teacher said, it expounds it brilliantly, without let-up. The monk said, why can't I hear it? The national teacher said, you may, yourself may not hear it, but that doesn't mean that others can't hear it. The monk said, who are the people who can hear it? The national teacher said, all the holy ones can hear it. The monk said, can the master hear it or not? The natural national teacher said, "I cannot, cannot, cannot hear it. But if I could hear it, it would be the equal. I would be the equal of the saints. Then you could not hear me expound the Dharma." The monk said, "All beings can't understand that sort of speech." The national teacher said, "I expound the Dharma for the sake of beings, not for the sake of saints." The monk said, "After beings hear it, then what?" The national teacher said, then they're not sentient beings. What scripture teaches about inanimate things expounding the Dharma? The national teacher said, obviously this is not found in the scriptures, nor is it something that some noble one has said. But haven't you heard the words of the Flower Garland Sutra that say, the Chiliocosm, sentient beings, and the three realms all can proclaim it? So this is... Um, the end of Dongshan's relating the story. And when he finished, Guishan said, I have this teaching, but one seldom encounters a person who understands it. 
Dongshan said, I'm not clear about it. I ask you for instructions about this. And Guishan lifted his whisk upright into the air and said, Do you understand? Dongshan said, I don't ex- understand. Please explain it to me, Master. Guishan said, The mouth which my parents gave to the world is utterly unable to explain this to you. Dongshan said, Is there anyone else of your generation whom you respect and who can explain it? Guishan said, Go to Liling in Yo County, where there are some stone houses strung together. There, find a man of the way named Yunyan. If you can search the grass and face the wind, in other words, to bear his teaching methods, then you'll certainly hold him in esteem. And these stone houses strung together, um, apparently um, Yunyan was uh, living in in a cave in this uh, Yo County. That's what the reference to stone houses is. Dongshan said, who is this person? Guishan said, he once asked me, when a student, student greatly admires and respects a teacher, what should he do? And I said, he must stop all the leaks. Uh, this leaks refers to uh, uh, um, leaking from the scent with the sense doors. In other words, when we, we um, attach to things. And Guishan replied, and he should also not go against his teacher's teaching, right? I said, um, first of all, you can't say that I'm at this spot. So Dongshan said goodbye to Guishan and proceeded to Yunyan. He related to Yunyan the story about the national teacher and asked, who can hear inanimate things expound the Dharma? And Yunyan said, what is inanimate can hear it. Dongshan said, can the master hear it or not? And Yunyan said, if I could hear it, then you could not hear me expound the Dharma. Dongshan said, why couldn't I hear you? Yunyan held up his whisk and said, can you still hear me or not? Dongshan said, I can't hear you. When I expound the Dharma, you can't hear me. So how could you hear it when inanimate things proclaim it? Dongshan said, What scripture teaches about inanimate things expounding the Dharma? Yunyan said, Haven't you seen that in the Avatava Sutra it says the lakes and rivers, the birds, the forests, they all chant Buddha, they all chant Dharma. And upon hearing this, Dongshan experienced a great insight. He then wrote a verse. How incredible! How incredible! Inanimate things proclaiming Dharma is inconceivable. It can't be known if the ears try to hear it. But when the eyes hear it, then it may be known. So this was um, Dongshan's first insight, his opening to the truth. Seeing
with the eyes, or hearing with the eyes, seeing with the ears, you could say. And he was to form this deep and, and um, close relationship with Master Yunyan. Many, many stories about their, their relationship. In, in one of them, he asks Yunyan, are there other practices I haven't completed? So in a way he's saying, is there anything more? Is there anything I haven't, haven't got yet? And Yunyan asks him, where were you, what were you doing before you came here? And Dongshan said, I wasn't practicing the noble truths. And Yunyan says, were you joyous in this non-practice? I think in the in the, um, the the Heart Sutra we chant um, um, is it, I can't can't just recall it right now. But there's a little part of that of the Heart Sutra where we talk about there not being uh, pain or cause of pain or cease in pain or noble path to lead from pain. That's basically saying there, um, there, there are no Four Noble Truths. And so Dongshan is saying, I wasn't practicing the Noble Truths. It's a similar kind of thing. But then Yunyan asks, were you joyous in this practice? And Dongshan says, it was not without joy. It's like sweeping excrement into a pile and then picking up a precious jewel from within it. Quite a... Um, strong image and points to the nature of practice which can be um, joyous at times but also hard work, distasteful even, unpleasant, difficult and you can't, you can't pull these two apart Story of, of Dongshan's um, deeper awakening. Also, um, sparked by Yunyan. Dongshan was about to leave his Yunyan's uh, place, and he goes to to um, say goodbye to Yunyan. Yunyan says, where are you going? Dongshan replies, although I'm leaving the master, I don't know where I'll end up. So he go, he's going off on pilgrimage, not knowing where he's going. Yunyan said, you're not going to Hunan? Dongshan says, no, I'm not. Yun-Yan asks, are you returning home? Uh, 
But what's he asking here? Are you returning home? There's a little clue in, in, in our uh, memorial service echo when we chant of the, for the deceased. May, may he find his true home. So Yunyan really, with asking this question, is, is probing to see what um, Dongshan's state of mind is. Dongshan says, no, I'm not going home. And Yunyan says, sooner or later you'll return. We can, we can interpret this as, as encouragement. He's giving encouragement to Dongshan, even though he's leaving, perhaps feeling that he needs to um, search out uh, another place. Perhaps he's feeling um, stuck or at a dead end. But, but Yohan says, no, soon you'll, you'll, you'll find your way home. Dungshan then says, when the master has an abode, then I'll return. So he, he comes back with a with a, uh, a spirited answer. One, one way, that, way to understand this would be say, he's saying, when you have a, a permanent home, then I'll come home. In the in the Diamond Sutra, there's that, the line that um, sparked Wainung's awakening, arouse the mind without its abiding anywhere. Where do we abide? With this, this uh, pandemic, so much has been thrown into uncertainty. So many people's plans, their, their jobs, their expectations. Do we have somewhere where we can abide? And Yunyan says, if you leave, it will be difficult to see one another again. When, when, we, when we part from somebody, we never know if we're going to see them again. This was a very, very powerful, uh, repeated experience for me when, when, when I was living in Rochester and we'd come back for a short visit here and then at the end have to say goodbye to my parents. And there's always a strong feeling of not knowing whether we'd see them again. This winter I was was due to go to Rochester for my annual visit and uh, that's all now uh, highly unlikely that I'll even be able to go. Plans 
are just their plans. Dongshan comes back sort of looking at things from the other side. He says, if if uh, if Yun Yun's uh, statement comes from the side of of uh, relative truth, the truth of parting, of separation, then Dongshan says it will be difficult not to see one another. He's presenting the the other side of the coin. How could we ever be apart? There's a beautiful um, comment on this this response of Dong Shan's by um, Susan Murphy, who's an Australian Zen teacher, fine writer. She writes, Dong Shan says it will be hard for us not to meet. She writes, who has not felt that strange sense of a life ending by spilling through death at once into nowhere, no fixed address, no abode, and everywhere, not just into the persistent sense of sighting someone who fleetingly resembles the one God, but equally into solemn moonrise, shiver of leaves, resonant latch of a gate opening, Vivid dream, dream of being face to face, unbroken expanse of evening sky. Even often, I think she says this is something quite often experienced by people. Somebody dies, and you know that you'll never see them again in this in the way that you have been seeing them. But then, on the other hand, they somehow are now present everywhere you look first time I experienced this was when my mother-in-law died, Nairi von Sturmer, in, in 1982, or 1980, no, sorry, 1986, when uh, the, the, day, the day she died, um, after we came home from the hospital, we went for a walk to the beach, and at a certain moment, um, I had the sense of the of the the, the sea and the sky um, were her presence. She was she was right there. The sense that she would she would now always be there. How could we miss her? And yet, at the same time, we weren't going to see her or, or meet with her in the way that we had up until then. So even even in death. There's this, um, as, as uh, Murphy puts it, the spilling through death at once into nowhere. Nowhere and everywhere.
Then just as Dongshan was about to leave Yunyan, he asks a question. If in the future someone happens to ask me whether I can describe the Master's truth or not, how should I answer them? So you see, he's really asking for for a, a final word, a final teaching, a summing up kind of teaching from from Yunyan. After a long pause, Yunyan said, "Just this is it." And the story writes that at that point, Dong Shan sighed. Died because he still, still felt a kind of perplexity. He still didn't feel that he had completely realised what this meant, what Yunyuan was saying. So he went away. He left, gripped by this sense of of. Not knowing, Yunyan then added to this. He said, "Worthy Yang." Yang was his his uh, the name he had before he took on the name of the mountain and he was a master. Worthy Yang, now that you have taken on this great affair, you must consider it carefully. So Yunyan sees the state he's in, and just reminds him, "Consider it carefully, carefully." This great matter of birth and death. Take care. Dongshan continued to experience doubt. Later, he crossed a stream, and he saw his reflection in the water, and was awakened to Yunyan's meaning. He then composed a verse: Avoid seeking elsewhere, for that's far from the self. Now I travel alone. Everywhere I meet it. Now it's exactly me. Now I'm not it. It must thus be understood to emerge with thusness. It must thus be understood to merge with thusness. So in mind, Dongshan's mind is is. Open here. He's in a state of acute not knowing as he crosses the stream, and sees his his own face reflected by the water. You could say that he he saw himself in that water, and at the same time. He saw himself seeing. Again, Susan Murphy comments on this um, this passage. 
Being starts with the body and does not end at the skin. One great shared actual body of being carries us through this life with each of us realizing and actualizing that fact in distinct and unrepeatable mortal bodies. There's no place and no detail in which you can ultimately fail to find and recognize yourself. We share at the most essential and open level of awareness one mind, earth made, universe made, while every mind is a singular, intimately personal reflection of that world and universe. So, so Dongshan here, he sees his own face, absolutely unique, uh, recognizable, unmistakable, and he he sees that that face of his as his teacher's face. He's not his teacher, but at the same time, his seeing um, encompasses everything and everyone, and so it's not separate from his teacher. Think here of, of what Meister Eckhart said. He said, the eye with which I see God is the same eye through which God sees me. My eye and God's eye are one eye, one seeing, one knowing, one love. So, one more story again, which, which um, bears on our, our story about um, Dongshan is sick. The abbot of a temple was ill. Whenever he'd see a monk, he'd yell, Save me! Save me! The monks of the temple couldn't say anything useful to deal with the situation. Dongshan went to pay him a visit. The abbot said again, Save me! Dongshan said, What appearance should I save? The abbot said, Aren't you a descendant of Yaoshan and a Dharma heir of Yunyan? Dongshan said, I dare not say so. The abbot clapped his hands and said, Everyone has brought you here. He then passed away. So again, we see these these old masters using their own deaths as a as a, a final teaching. So this this abbot, this nameless abbot, keeps on um, on yelling from his sickbed, "Save me! Save me!" What does he want? I'm sure what he wants here is he wants somebody to come and present him with some some authentic dharma. So Dungshan comes and says, what appearance should I save? 
can you can you save an appearance then the abbot asks aren't you a descendant of Yaoshan and a Dharma heir of Yunyan this is a this is a tricky question because if you say you are then you're really saying that you received something from them that you didn't have ready so he says Dongshan says I dare not say so and the abbot is very appreciative of this response and says everyone has brought you here he could have said everything has brought you here everything in the universe and then at that point he can pass away in in peace what strikes me about this story is that um, sickness and even death become an occasion for humor and and creativity we're seeing seeing lots of examples of of humor and creativity in this in this lockdown we're experiencing people turning their their um, isolation into into uh, crucible for for creativity okay, let's go back to a case Dungshan was sick. A monk asked, You are sick, teacher, but is there someone who is not sick? Dungshan said, There is. The monk asked, Does the one who is not sick look after you? Dungshan said, This old monk is looking after that one. The monk asked, How is it when you look after that one? Dungshan said, When I do not see that there is then I do not see that there is illness. Um, just comparing this to the koan we looked at last time, um, Mon's medicine and sickness are in correspondence with each other. The whole earth is medicine. What is yourself? Um, in that one we saw how um, sickness can be read as ordinary sickness, but also often uh, what is implied is um, our dis-ease in the sense of our, our dukkha, our suffering. So the question, the question here, are you sick? Are you a sick teacher, but is there someone who is not sick? Um, we could say that this, he's talking here about um, Are you at ease or not, teacher? One song's comment on this um, little story is one song is one of the two compilers of the Shoyoroku. He said, when 
when the ancients were about to go, they frolicked in the realm of old age, sickness and death. So this is a little little frolic happening here between Dongshan and this this monk who asks these questions. Are you sick, teacher? But is there someone who is not sick? One of the points of this is where is this monk coming from when he asks this question? Seems actually a bit of a um, an insensitive comment um, to, to bother somebody who's sick. But um, No, no doubt, uh, Dongshan was was um, happy to, to take place, take part in this in this frolic with this monk. There may have been uh, many of his other students present there, visiting him, concerned about his health, coming to see him. And Dungshan's reply to this question, is there someone who is not sick? It's very simple. He says, there is. And really the whole is presented right here. Um, it could, this, this koan could just finish at this point. But the, the monk takes it further. He wants to draw more out of his, of his teacher. Does the one who is not sick, sick look after you? That would be our, our conventional way of thinking of how things should be, that the one who is not sick looks after the one who is. But Dongshan says, this old monk is looking after that one. He seems, he seems to be uh, turning things upside down. Who is this one who is not sick? And Zen sometimes talk about the host and the guest. The host is that which doesn't come and go, and the guest is the visitor, the one who does come and go. Sickness comes and goes. That's one of the things that we, we when we are sick, we can, we can remind ourselves of, and it can help us to, to get through an illness. We could be something we also tell ourselves, which we don't usually do it, but that we should also tell ourselves about when we're healthy. Health comes and goes. We recognize this more as, as we get older and we have more infirmities and, and ailments. Death also comes and goes. 
when we're when we're well we forget that how how health is is not a given and we we can identify with it and then when we do get sick then it's it's very painful in this in this time of the pandemic we're we're um, coming up against other things, other certainties or, or um, pillars of our existence that we um, may identify with to one degree or another. Endless economic growth, a certain, a certain level of security and wealth, stability, mobility, all of these things have have come crashing down in in a very uh, vivid way. The monk asks further of Dongshan, "How is it when you look after that one? In other words, how is it when you look after that one who is not sick?" He wants, he wants Dongshan to spell it out. Wan Song's comment on this part of the story is, Here it's necessary that you should serve and honour at all times, going to sleep late at night and getting up early to ask how they are. Only then is it known that the you that you are someone who knows how to be grateful and obeys filially. So this is the way that we look after the one who is not sick, you could say, in our training, in our you know, getting up early and, and staying up late to sit, to and our devotion to the practice. In our, in our daily practice of taking care, of, of carefully examining. One song then adds, this is where daily practice empowers you when you're dying. It's, it's so important that we don't wait until we're very sick or dying. We develop. We need to develop habits of mind now that that enable us to um, look after that one who is not sick. To turn towards this, just this. If we if we practice dying moment by moment, then when death comes, we'll be, our mind will be prepared. In, in answer to the, the monk's question, how is it when you look after that one, Dongshan says, then I do not see that there is illness. You can say, I, f I forget that I'm sick. Uh, Jerry Wick, in his um, commentary on this 
um, koan. Tells the story of some friends of his who owned a dachshund dog whose hindquarters were totally paralysed. This dog walks using his front legs and drags his body behind him. They put handicapped ramps throughout their house, although he's actually pretty good at climbing stairs. My friend says that the dog doesn't even know that he's paralysed. He doesn't know the one who's ill. He doesn't know the one who's not ill either. This dog just moves with its front legs and drags his body behind him. He's a very happy dog. I'm sure he'd wag his tail if he could. We can we can learn quite a bit from the way that that uh, animals deal with with sickness and infirmity. Um, but our our karma is to to know that we are sick and to to um, easily fall into then feeling felt sorry for ourselves or, or thinking that things should be different or thinking that things will always be the same and there's so much suffering in, in these kinds of thoughts Tian Tong, um, the other compiler of the of the Shoyuraku, comments: "You must cut off absolutely. Don't be pig-headed." He's pointing to the fact that that we need to go to the root of our uh, dis-ease and address that it's not so much the, the symptoms that are the problem but this, the deep attachment that we have to the the ego mirage this um, identification with being healthy with being a certain way. The story that, that appears in the koan um, goes on. Uh, this part that doesn't, doesn't appear in the koan, but it does appear in, in Andy Ferguson. Cut, cut to the quick. Um, he he's after after this exchange about the um, I do not see that as there is illness. Um, Dongshan then asked the monks, "When you leave the skin bag you inhabit, where will you go and see me again?" But the monks were unable to answer. And then Dongshan recited a verse Students as numerous as sands in the Ganges, but none are awakened. They err by searching for the path in another person's mouth. If you wish to forget form and not leave any traces, 
wholeheartedly strive to walk in emptiness. This, this was his um, uh, teaching for the monks. Wholeheartedly strive to walk in emptiness. To see, to see our health as insubstantial and empty, as much as we need to see our sickness as insubstantial and, and empty. Dungshan then had his attendants um, help him shave his head, bathe and get dressed. He then had the bell rung to summon the monks so that they, he could bid them farewell. He appeared to have passed away and the monks began wailing piteously without let up. The monks loved him and they relied on him and they, and they were, were absolutely devastated that he had died. But at that point, Dongshan opened his eyes and said to them, Homeless monks aren't attached to things. That is their authentic practice. Why lament in an arduous life and a pitiful death? An arduous life and a pitiful death. Each of us really, um, each of us who live in this world can expect, expect this. Dongshan then instructed the temple director to organize a delusion banquet. This was basically him um, engaging in skillful means. The, he wanted to cheer the monks up and so they, they planned for this big banquet. It took seven days to organize. And so they had the banquet. Um, he had a final meal with his, his congregation of monks. And then he said, don't make a big deal about it. When I pass away, don't go carrying on about it. He then returned to his room and sitting upright, passed away. He was 63 years of age and he'd been ordained as a monk for 42 years. We'll stop here and recite the four vows. All beings without number, I vow to liberate endless blind passions. I vow to uproot dharma gates beyond measure. I vow to penetrate the great way of Buddha. I vow to attain all beings without number, I vow to liberate endless blind passions, I vow to uproot dharma gates beyond measure, I vow to penetrate the great way of Buddha, I vow to attain all beings without number, I vow to liberate endless blind passions. I vow to uproot dharma gates beyond measure. I vow to penetrate the great way of Buddha. I vow to attain.
The teaching you have received is offered freely. If you would like to make a donation to support the continuation of this podcast service or learn more about practice opportunities at the Auckland Zen Centre, please visit www.aucklandzen.org.nz.